This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Okay, well, hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, dear listener. Uh, maybe it's the morning or the afternoon or maybe even the evening, whatever time of the day, we are truly grateful that you're choosing to spend this little bit of time with us to chew on and digest and just revel in God's word together. My name is Sean and I am with Dan per the huge. That's right. I'm here as always. Can't Except get rid last of me. Week. We missed you last week. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, how did it go? Do you guys, do you guys survive? Leave a comment. Let us know how it goes. One, one to five. How would you rate it without, without Dan? <laughs> Sans Dan is probably better. Was it was it an addition it's by never, subtraction? It's never better without Dan. Uh, we are also joined by a, 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 a. We used to call him a guest, but now he's such a regular. He's like one of us. He's keeping us regular. A true brother, Mister Stephen Greenaway. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Oh man, you uh, you you look like you got that post trip glow. <laughs> I don't know if it's a sunburn or if it's just the Holy Spirit just all amplified in you. You just got back from big boats with yep. the, with the high schoolers. You yep, guys, our high school houseboats trip. Uh, yeah, I did not get burnt this year. I'm so proud of you. It That's was impressive. It was a big goal. I wore a bucket hat. A uh, big bucket hat guy. Uh, I mean, not big, but it was big enough. <laughs> <laughs> I have like PTSD thinking about sunburns on houseboats. Yeah. yeah. I've never in my life been burned so bad. <laughs> I can't pull off the bucket hat. I don't care how how good of a hat it is. It's just there's something about my face and my head. It's just the bucket hat thing just does not work. I'm, but I'm going to have to figure something out because, you know, the face can't just keep taking the beating. I'm going to have to get like, I don't know. I want to try like the, my options are sombrero, sombrero, cowboy hat, cowboy hat uh, one of those like, um, you know, like the Islander hats, you know, oh, yeah. with the, what do you oh, call yeah. it? Like the, like a lifeguard hat. Yeah. Like yeah. Those. yeah. So I'm, that might be, my, that might be the yeah. thing. But anyway, how was the trip? I, I know you might share a little bit deeper as, as we go. Cause there, there might be some, some great analogies or things God's been teaching you, but just overall, give us the, the vibe of the trip. Were you, were you yeah. pleased? I was super blessed. The Lord was so glorified. We, our, our message was focused on identity just who do you say that Jesus is? You know, the question that uh, Jesus asks his disciples. Uh, and then, so who who is Jesus? What is his identity? Who does he say that he is? Who do you say that he is? And in light of that, who are you? Yeah. Who does he say that you are? And who are you viewing yourself as? And how does that affect your life? And so that was our theme for the week. Uh, yeah, we had... A bunch of people there, a, a stellar team of adult leaders, some from, some even from the Altamont campus, the Boyds came and, and helped us out with that, were drivers, the Capicholis were boat drivers for us, uh, Matt White was a, a driver for us, and yeah, none of the boats broke down, Praise none God. of the houseboats broke down, this is our first time doing it at the beginning of summer, so it was not hot, That's it, awesome. It, the water wasn't too cold. You br- and, and uh, you, I barely and you, broke a sweat during the trip because it was just perfect weather. Wow. You wear a t-shirt day, night, no matter what. That's awesome. Had a, had an amazing view from where we were sitting of Mount Shasta in the distance. And you brought back the same number of people that you took, yes. which is always good. And we didn't lose didn't anybody lose in the dark water. 
and yeah, it was such a blessing. That's and, cool. Shout yeah, out to shout out yeah. to Paolo who led worship. Yeah. Paolo and Olivia came, and then uh, Paul and Maggie Bartholo. They did videography for us, so we got drone footage what? of the tubing and the wakeboarding. It was following the boats around. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it was just it was such a blessing. That's wow. so good. Great, great team. A lot and, of answered and prayer. Great time and great conversations with the students. Uh, yeah, uh, Charlie Reynolds, uh, a friend of ours from a different church. He's. Uh, he was the speaker. He did such a great job. Uh, just very encouraged by him connecting with the students. That's that's half of a speaker's job on a trip is like mm-hmm. actually connecting with the students. Otherwise, stuff just goes over their heads. And he did an amazing job of connecting and reaching out to the students. So that's really yeah. good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I wish I could have gone. Maybe next year, but uh, it sounds like it was it was a blessed time. Yeah. Was. It's good to have you back, brother. Thanks. Sean, what are we talking about today? Speaking of, talking about boats. <laughs> what? About being, being on boats. So if you're with us Less on, bigger boats, no, smaller boats. Probably smaller boats, yeah. Uh, if you're with us on Sunday at the crossing, um, we had one of our B-list teachers talk about Jesus calming the waves on a boat with his disciples. That was tongue-in-cheek. I was the teacher. Yeah, come on, me. dude. Quit being like... Quit being like... Uh, Self-deprecating and there's nothing. No, no, no. Charlie and Nathan are absolutely like the 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 list. So I'm okay being B list. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I feel like we have this list. conversation every time I'm here. Yeah, you need to you guest need to just list. cut it out. Just we had out. we had a guest teacher on Sunday. It was great. It was me, and we talked about Jesus calming the waves with his disciples. And yeah, it's just a great. I like Nathan's phrase from last week. I think I said that on Sunday that. Sometimes passages in scripture, they're deceptively familiar because we think of them and we just instinctively think one aspect of it. But then when we slow down and really look into it, there's actually a different story told. And I think this is one of those passages where oftentimes we think about Jesus calming the storm and that's what we think of. Oh, Jesus calms storms. Awesome. And then when we're in hard moments, we think Jesus calmed the storm in my life, you know, and 100%. We have full confidence that Jesus can do those things. And if he wants to, he will 100%. But in that encounter with his disciples, we talked about on Sunday, it really came down to more about his, their, their trust in his words. Because he told them, hey, we're crossing this lake. And he said that very matter-of-factly and conclusively. And then when the storm came, they forgot those words. And they lost sight of that trust when what he had told them. And they freaked out and he miraculously responded. Um, but the real takeaway is, as Jesus said at the end, where's your faith? You know, it's, it's a story about faith. Um, and again, not in his ocean calming powers, but faith that when he says something, that thing will happen and it will be true. So just some great takeaways for our, our lives as we think about what that looks like. And Dan had mentioned right before that, we took just a few minutes looking at this little encounter with Jesus and a crowd and the situation with his mother and brothers, um, which I kind of forgot about, to be honest, until Dan just brought it up again. But it actually, it's profound. Um, Dan, do you want to fill people in on what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So in verse 19 through 21 of chapter 8, basically, Jesus turns turns things around a little bit and, and blows people's minds in terms of just the cultural context. And Sean, you did a great job of explaining... In, in that society in Jesus's day, 
the the strongest relationship, the strongest bond that you could have on a human level was with your family of origin. So your your, your mother, father, your siblings, and basically someone in the crowd was, was basically saying, Hey, you know, your, your mother and <laughs> your family of origin is trying to get a hold of you, trying to get your attention. And Jesus is, is basically says, Hey, let me, let me, let me blow your minds a little bit here and says, my, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And basically what he's saying is there's, there's a connection that you can have with me as, as my disciples, as my followers through faith and by by living out that faith through obedience to my teachings that will will make you connected with me in a way that is even deeper and more profound than any relationship on a human level that you can have and we're going to we see later on in Jesus's in Jesus's life as he um basically unfolds this new covenant and he establishes this new covenant that we're going to see this amazing adoption that we get to have into the family of God, that we get to become co-heirs with Christ because he, he's not ashamed to call us brothers as we trust him in faith. And, and I think as we get into the, you know, just the experience that the disciples had in the storm on the boat, I mean, it's so important for us to keep in mind that, that there is this, this connection that we can have with Jesus by trusting his word and by abiding in his word that that is is more profound than any other relationship that we can experience and any other bond and it's closer than than any relationship and I thought that was just a great way to to, to start it off and and um Stephen I'll throw it to you because I feel like I don't know like I look at your relationship with your siblings and particularly with Luke and just how how tight and close you guys are and and it really seems like there's a, I don't know, you guys make decisions even together, you know, like, Hey, so that we can raise our families together and, and, you know, be in ministry together. And there, you know, so I'm just curious, like, how did that hit you when you, when you when we went over that on Sunday and what implications were you pulling out from that? Just from your perspective. Yeah. So yeah, we come from a, immigrant family where it's just like you fight for family and you stick with family. Our grandma was all about that growing up. And yeah, so I mean, us and our cousins were super close. Luke and I, my sister were super close and yeah, it's, those are like what causes our decisions to be made, like where we're yeah. going to live, what decisions we're making, what sacrifices we're making. And we try to apply that to the family of God as well. And I think it's just already, I mean, it's just such a difficult concept to grasp that our connection with God can be even greater yeah. than that. I'm not saying it's impossible to grasp, yeah. but uh, it, it blow, is, it it's, it's a big a deal. Bit. It's a, it's a very big deal. The implication is every decision that you're making is based on that relationship. Totally. Well, and I love how you said it too. It's like concentric circles, right? Too, mm -hmm. because it's, 
you, you're experiencing that in your family of origin. Yeah. And I know many of you, many of the people in your family do trust Christ and follow him. Some don't, mm-hmm. but then the, the implication kind of ripples out from that with, with your, your, your faith family here at VBC yeah. and how the, you know, there's going to be a certain type of investment, a certain type of connection. And, you know, you think about, I don't know, I just, I was looking up some verses just where, um, I don't know, where, where does scripture talk about other places that scripture talks about Jesus, you know, being our brother or, 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 or God adopting us into his family. And I came across Hebrews chapter two and it's super profound because basically the author of Hebrews is, is getting into just how epic it is that, that Jesus is our savior and that he was perfectly positioned to do so, to be the founder of our salvation because of the incarnation, because of his deity, because of the life that he lived. And it kind of crescendos and gets to the end in in chapter 11 and basically says, for he who sanctifies, so that's Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, all have one source. So in Christ, we are adopted into God's family. And so mm-hmm. we, so we can call God our father, which is amazing. But then this, this is even, this even blows my mind even more. The second half of verse 11, it says, that is why he is not ashamed to call us brothers. And I mean, just to think about that, I mean, to think about how, how much we fail, how broken we are, how, how we, we forget and we wander and we're faithless and still, Jesus is like, I'm there with me. That's, that's my bro. That's, that's my sister. Um, and when you think about the kingdom coming too, right? If that's true, then we're also co-heirs with Christ, Mm. you know, and we're just so undeserving of that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's so comforting because like, you could totally, I mean, this is not true, but you could imagine if you were just picturing Jesus's standpoint as being God in the flesh, you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be crazy for those listening to him who didn't know his message yet for him to say, my brothers and, and sisters and mother, they're the ones who live perfect lives, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. And yet Jesus looks so kind that that's not what he says, Yeah, you know, instead it's those who, who love me. And even in the context of like, like in, in this Luke passage, He's been talking a lot with the parable of the the, the, so, the soils and the lamp and the the, the jar thing. Like he, he's making a big deal about hearing and doing his word, you know. So he is like saying, "Oh, my brothers and mothers, they're the ones that hear my word and do it." But even then, like, what is the what is the overarching message of Jesus's words in his gospel? You know, it's not perfection; it's it's humility and grace and repentance. Yeah. And so if we have that heart where we are approaching Jesus humbly and we are repenting in our lives for sure. Like if we're living in sin and we don't care, that's not great evidence for what you just described, you know? Right. But if we are doing that, then man, it is so comforting that, that Jesus is unashamed. And you see that time and time again with how he associates with people in his ministries. Like he's unashamed to be with those that everyone else would totally judge and scorn and mock, you know? Dude, it's so good. Uh, but on that piece of his word, like I just appreciate in this context, Jesus pointing that out. That, hey, you're not just close to me, close to your brothers, but no, you're closer if you hear my word and do it, if you care about my word. And I think that's a, it's a convicting reminder for some of us now because I don't know about you guys, but I've totally noticed him, especially some younger people that are in my life, 
kind of this mentality of like their main messaging system from God is not God's word, you know, Mm. like they'll say things like, Oh no, like God told me this in a dream or they'll say things like, no, no, no. I just, I feel this way. And why is that? I just, I just feel it from God, you know, or God speaks to me through my walks and things like that. And I, of course, hundred percent, I think God can speak to you through all those things, but there tends to be with those people like this thing of like, but I don't go to God's word for his voice. Which it just seems so backwards. Like if you want to know God and you want to know his voice and direction in your mm-hmm. life, as Jesus says right here, you got to hear his word and do it in your life. Well, that's the key. We can't, we can't divorce obedience. First of all, knowing God's word. You can't be obedient to God's word if you don't know it, mm-hmm. right? So knowing God's word, being obedient to God's word, those things are, are – you cannot divorce from our love and our devotion and our faith in God. So – and I think that that's a hard thing for people to understand sometimes. Stephen, d- do you agree? You know, that, that we think of obedience as like kind of burdensome and, hey, you're boxing me in and, and, and I don't want to be, you know, you can't tell me what to do and things like that, you know, but f- to, to God and Jesus expresses this so clearly in his teaching. Hey, there, there is a, you know, inexplicable or inextricable connection between love and obedience. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's different definitions for trust in our culture. Like there's just people have different understandings of that word. But in scripture, it's clearly the one that you trust that this is the case and it it affects your life because of it. It changes your life because of it. Like going back to houseboats, like (laughs) you believe that this house that they say is going to float <laughs> when you put it into the water yeah. and you're going to go to sleep on this thing wow. overnight. Yeah. You trust that it's going to stay afloat and you trust that the waves aren't going to push it away because of the tie downs. Therefore you sleep on the boat. Yeah. If you don't, you sleep on the land. <laughs> yeah, you can say you trust it, but if your actions don't, if you if you say you trust that the boat's going to take care of you and it's way more comfortable on there and it's going to be safe, you're going to sleep on the boat. Yeah. You're not going to sleep on the dirty land. You know, so that's a good point. Wow, I like that. I wish I could have slept on the boat. It stars, was pretty great. Stars are pretty good. Oh yeah, oh. shooting stars. I love it. Was it. Amazing. See any UFOs? No, but I did see. Uh, I think. It was a shooting star that was like coming right in my direction, right? Wow, in my it was direction. like coming right because it, it was just like a bright light that just that just like came at you. Dang, that's cool. Um, that's pretty sweet. Anyways, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of boats, yeah. <laughs> oh, let's just let's just talk about it. Let's move on. So, so you just makes that big deal about our our intimacy and closeness with him based on how we trust his words, right? And then this thing happens with his disciples on the boat and they get on the boat and this big storm comes and Jesus is asleep. I mean, he's unbothered. And then, yeah, they, his disciples freak out and he calms a storm and he rebukes them for their lack of faith. And then they have that new like reverence of him after that encounter and a lot of cool stuff there. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about before we started recording today is just that moment of like Jesus is sleeping. He had told them already, hey, we're going to cross this lake. But that was before the storm came. Now it's like torrential storm. And if you missed Sunday, we played a video clip of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And it's like 
crazy, okay? You would not want to be on that water in like a small wooden boat. You don't even want to be on the shore. Yeah. When it's, it's, it's totally some guys crazy. getting taken out. It's like 20-foot waves, just absolutely yeah. nuts. And so they're in the middle of that, and they're freaking out. Like in Mark, it says that they're afraid, of, fearful for their lives, and they wake Jesus up saying like, Master, Master, don't you know we're dying? You know, and then Luke says we're perishing. Um, and one of the things he talked about is just like, we know that Jesus wakes up, calms things, but then yells his disciples, he says, where is your faith? You know, or Mark, he says, why are you afraid right now? And so it kind of begs the question, like, what, what, what does faith look like in those moments? Because that's kind of what it comes down to when we think about what do we take from this? It's like, well, well, the, the lesson seems to be the disciples lacked faith and trust, or maybe, maybe they just forgot in Jesus's words in that moment. So as we apply that to our lives, like, what does faith look like beyond just remembering the words of Jesus? Because that's the first and foremost thing. But then outside of that, like, operationally, what does it look like to, to live with faith in the midst of quote-unquote storms in our lives? What do you think, Stephen? You got yeah. this all figured out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, over here, wow, just, I don't know. Yeah, so we have faith that God has given us talents, resources, minds, bodies that we can use for his glory. Mm. So that's, that's the whole stewardship aspect. Like your faith should lead you into good stewardship. It's not just like sitting lazy, kind of just, yeah. yeah it's, it's not, not passive being a sluggard, you yeah. know? So it's doing, it's, it's doing what you're, what you're able to do in that situation. And then I think where the like other side of faith comes in is when everything that you are doing is still not enough, are you still going to trust or are you not? And so with those, Hmm. with the disciples, many of them fishermen, or at least they've been in that world and they know this is the type of storm that kills people. Yeah. Like they were fine up until at some point they realized this is too much. Yeah. We're yeah. going to die. Yeah. And we're not going down. So Jesus yeah. fix this. I know? wish, I wish we had a little more information about kind of, I don't know, like was there an in between, you know, like did the storm start ripping and then they started doing all their sailory things that they know how to do. You know what I'm saying? And then it just got to the point where they're just like, okay, we're like, you're saying, Steven, we're at the end of what we can do. And we're at the end of what this boat can handle. Let's wake up Jesus and, and see what he's got, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or was what did the storm hit? And then instantly they were like whining to Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wish we could know. Well, and there's also, somewhat of a somewhat of an arrogance I think hmm. with the with them waking up Jesus like we <laughs> Jesus is asleep he clearly needs our help figuring out what to do in this situation wake him up and you need to do something about this instead of Jesus is at rest, even though the storm is happening. Mm -hmm. I can be at rest mm -hmm. and I can do everything that I need to do, Yeah, but I can still be at rest. And if this boat goes down, I go down with Jesus. Yeah. You know, like wow. that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, like that's, that. 
I think that's the side of faith that was needed there. Yeah, know? it's kind of revealed in like the Mark's account where they say when they wake him up, like Jesus, Jesus, don't you know we're dying? Yeah. As if he's just like aloof to those things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But it does point towards just that arrogance or just lack of, on a heart level, trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. Well, it's almost like they finally got to a point where they had an excuse to like call mm. God out on something, mm. you know? And well, well, like let's, let's, let's do a fun thought experiment. Let's imagine they're on a speedboat. <laughs> exactly. No, let's, let's imagine. Cause it, it's very interesting, Sean, how you said Jesus was unbothered by the storm, but he was bothered by their lack of faith. Mm-hmm. So what kind of response would Jesus have been pleased with? on that boat. Like, be, what, what would have made him have woken up and be like, great job with your faith guys. Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> job with your faith. Like I, I, you know what I'm saying? Cause Steven, you talked about faith that is, that is, that uh, reflects good stewardship. So we're, we're active. We are trusting we're, 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 we're working, you know, we're doing stuff, but we're not busy or, or frantic or anxious, you yeah. know? So I think the boat is a great example. I mean, even if you've never been on a sailboat or you're not a, you know, a nautical person, you've seen movies or you have some kind of understanding of, okay, there's, there's like activities to do that will help a boat kind of, um, you know, weather a storm, right? You do certain things with the sails, you tie stuff down, you, maybe you shift your weight, you know, like there's certain things you do with the, you know, the rudder, blah, 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 right? Push Judas overboard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, so, I mean, you know, if they, if they were doing that and, you know, then they would like look over at Jesus and be like, wow, he's, he's still asleep. Like, okay, well, we'll just keep working, you know, uh, we'll keep trusting. And then, you know, if they would have got, let's say to the end of everything that they know how to do as sailors, then they're like, well, hey, let's go wake up Jesus and like see what, see if he's, how he can help, you know, like what would they, what, help me, you know, help me, like, let's mm-hmm. imagine what, what type of response would Jesus have been pleased with? Yeah. One thing that my mind immediately goes to, um, is like, I think, okay, well, like what, what was a time where Jesus said more or less that, you know, and actually it happened recently in Luke, which was in chapter seven with the centurion. And I taught this part too, so I remember it pretty well. And, you know, the centurion's servant's dying. And after some back and forth, the centurion sends a messenger to Jesus. And just in the beginning, his his attitude is very reverent. You know, hmm. he calls him Lord. He says, don't even come into my house. Like, I'm not worthy of your presence. And, and, and that's not, I, I don't want to be... I don't want to compare myself to you. You are so so much more worthy than I, you know. But then when he says he 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 gives this like analogy about authority, and he's like, I'm a centurion, like I'm a commander. I, I get how authority works, and I tell men to come and go, and they come and they go. But then he says, Jesus, I get that your authority, you have authority too. He's like, yeah. I know that if you say be healed, my servant will be healed. Period. Mm. And then Jesus responds to that. He's like, oh my gosh, not even Israel have I seen such faith. You know, he marvels at his faith is what, that's what the phrasing is. And I think that there's something about this in response about humility and understanding that the disciples lacked in that moment. Hmm. The humility part you kind of hit on. Just their attitude in this moment, it doesn't seem to be 
very humble, you know, yeah. and how they're, how it's they're, maybe like a little entitled almost too. Yeah, right? Almost like, like wait, we're too important. Like you can, we can't die on this boat, you know, hundred percent. And then just the authority thing of like Jesus again, like he just said very clearly, we're crossing this lake. And then the disciples, because of the storm, are just like, goes out of the head, you know? So as far as what that looked like, it's hard to know exactly, but I imagine like Steven said, they'd be working away doing the things that God's enabled them and gifted them to do, you know, people who are fishermen or tying ropes, people who aren't or just bailing water or whatever the heck, but they're probably all saying in their hearts or with their mouths as well, man, we, we're, we are unworthy before Jesus and he's in this boat. The Lord is in the boat with us and we know that he holds authority over all things. You know, and they'd probably be reminding each other as friends, Jesus, he's here. He's sleeping. He's fine. You know, he's got this. Probably be reminding each other, oh, Jesus Mm -hmm. just said we're going to cross the lake, you know, and we've seen him speak and his words do all these things. So we know he can do this, that kind of thing of just understanding in his authority. And then again, when I think I said this on Sunday, but when they wake him up, instead of saying, Jesus, don't you know we're dying? They'd probably say something more like, Jesus, we're doing the best we can. We heard you tell us that we're going to cross the lake. Can you please show us how? Yeah, it's good. Can you please show us what you know that we don't? To well, get and us I'll, there? Throw, I'll throw in another wrinkle too. Like, what if even, because you, I don't know, I, I think the storms can come on pretty suddenly. Like, sometimes you don't even see them. Yeah. From what I've studied on, on that particular sea, it can be kind of like <laughs> out of nowhere, right? But let's say at the first sign of it, you know, I mean, what if they just went to Jesus right away and just said, Hey, Jesus, like, hey, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I know you're, I know you're needing rest, but, um, we're going to start preparing, you know, battening, battening down the hatches and doing all the things like, um, just, you know, like, cause I think about prayers, like communicating a message to God. Right. And we're told to do that without ceasing. Right. So whatever kind of situation we're in, whether it's something good or something hard, we, we want to be talking to, to our savior. You know, we want to be communicating with him. So I don't know, like, I, I like to think <clears throat> about the thing, stuff that goes on in my life that sometimes you can look down the horizon and be like, oh man, something's coming. Like, just go to Jesus right away at the first sign of trouble and and go to him with, like you said, Sean, the right heart attitude and the right words. And Yeah, the prayer would be like, Jesus, we know you just told us we're going to cross. Yeah. This is what we're planning to do. Please tell us if you want to do anything different than that. You know, yeah, that exactly. Kind of exactly. Or just, hey, you know, we, we're leaning on your help. We're looking for your guidance. Like, we, we trust you, you know, um, even just like, Hey, remind us you're with us, you know, remind us you're here. Cause I think sometimes people, I've talked to people when they go through trials, they, they, they just, they doubt God's presence. They doubt, Hey, is, is God still with me? You know? And it may feel like he's asleep, you, you know, which is, is, it's interesting. Jesus was sleeping because of his humanity, Right. God, the father, um, Jesus in his glorified state, you know, the spirit of God, like they don't sleep, they don't slumber. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, um, I don't know, like, I think there's some lessons really to be learned in, I think there's probably a bunch of different ways they could have gone about it in a faithful, a faith filled Mm way. Um, but I think it's cool to kind of imagine it. Yeah. One thing. Oh, God. I was, I was going to quote you, actually. I appreciate how you just said a few minutes ago. You're like, Jesus, who is God, is communicating with his actions that 
in his infinite sovereignty and wisdom, this isn't your exact words, but I'm embellishing your words. In his <laughs> He's like, inf- I don't remember saying infinite that. Infinite <laughs> sovereignty and wisdom, he has decided the best use of his time right now is to rest and to sleep. Right. Yeah. Are we trusting him in that moment or not? You know? Yeah. What are you going to say? Well, I was just going to give an example from the Big Boats trip, actually. Especially a trip like that, there's just so many things that can go wrong. <laughs> and, you know, two of the closest things to like feeling like you're about to perish are if something happens to one of the students Mm. or if a $300,000 boat crashes or something, something goes wrong, you know? And so I, I mean, every trip that we go on, but especially big boats, I'm, I'm going to the Lord and being like, okay, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I want to be a good steward of this time, uh, the people that you've given me, the team that you've given me, or the the team that you have put together. And I'm doing as much planning as I can ahead of time. Uh, we've got a great team. Uh, we got Larry going up ahead of time with an early crew. Secret really, weapon, dude. Larry's a yeah, secret weapon yeah, for he sure. Is. To, to prepare the way. <laughs> and we, we, we made it all the way to the last night. And nothing, I mean, the worst that happened on this trip was a kid cut their foot on a piece of glass mm. on the dirt. Okay. So, like, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had just wrapped up the final Devo, had been praying for the students, sharing takeaways. Um, and one of the leaders comes out to me and goes, Steven. And I'm oh, like, oh, no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> and they're like, the the boat is flooded. Oh, I'm like, what? Oh. First thing I'm thinking of is this thing sinking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. First thing I would be thinking is the toilets are overflowing. Which yeah, so we go might in. might be worse. <laughs> we go in. I have no idea what's going on. And in this moment, I know that. Okay, this whole time I've been committed to trusting the Lord, doing what I can, hmm. and whatever the fruit or whatever fruit comes out of it and whatever comes, I'm still tr- he's in control. He knew it was coming. I don't need to be anxious. So good. I can still do everything that I need to do to be a good steward and not be anxious and not be yeah, stressed out. Yeah. And so in this moment, as I'm walking down to this boat, I'm thinking that that's I'm so thinking, good. okay, I need to figure out what the problem is, and I need to do whatever I can to fix it. But I know God's with me, but and I know, I know he's that the in Lord's control. with me, yeah. and I'm not going to freak out. That's like, so good. There's, there's no reason to be afraid. God knew that this was coming. He's not. He's at rest. I can be at rest, mm. just like in the boat uh, on so the good. Sea of Galilee. And I go into that boat, and I'm looking around, and just the carpet is covered in inches of water and i'm just like they have no idea what's going on i go into the bathroom and if you've never been on a houseboat before there's like a pedal that flushes it and then you can lift the pedal to refill it right so the and when you flush it it refills with water some not, we don't blame know who. Anybody, yeah, 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 not blaming anyone. 
But I honestly don't think the marina should probably fix that toilet, you know. Yeah. But anyways, the the flusher had been stuck oh, in so the just... downward position. So the, it's open oh and there's gosh. water filling in, getting pumped in. And who knows how long that had been happening wow. while we were uh, praying for students and yeah. having our our evening meeting to the point and everything is just covered in water and i pop that thing up so that it stops yeah it's filled the tanks fully as we were driving the boat back it was like tilted to the left because the tanks were so full oh my gosh <laughs> but anyways in that moment i'm like okay i can again i can choose to stay at rest and do what i need to do or i can do what i need to do and freak out yeah when, and, yeah, and it's it's so good too because I I think about whatever situation we're, we're going through, what gives us the ability to have that sustained mindset that you had all the way through that experience is directly correlated to our ability to keep God's word in us yeah. through all different kinds of ways through study, memorization, meditation, having. Someone yeah. having, you know, being under a, t a body of teaching from, from a church family yeah. and elders. Praying having, without ceasing. Pray, just yeah. like always being mindful that God is right here with me. Totally. Yeah. So it's like, again, back to the, the Sea of Galilee. Like, if these guys would have been like, okay, let me just cling to what Jesus said. We're getting across this lake. We're getting across this lake. You know, if they could have, I don't know, some people write like the Bible verses on their bathroom mirror, or, like put a little verse card in there on their dashboard in their car. Like, you know, what if they did that on the mast? They just like chiseled in like, Jesus said, we're getting across, you know, like what it, that we have to, we have to get God's word in us and we have to like constantly just wash ourselves in, in it, you know, over and over and over again, because that's, that's the whole process of renewing our mind. And there's all kinds of spiritual practices that God has given us to, to do that. But it ultimately just comes down to getting God's word in our mind and like, and just constantly feasting on that. Yeah, and again, it's not. It's easy to hear that, and then you like you think to yourself, "Oh, they're always just telling me to learn God's word, learn God's word." You know, <laughs> no, but we're we're asking you like we want for ourselves to to cling to God Himself. You know, right? We're asking you to, to desire to be near to Jesus. Yeah, and yeah, He tells us that we get there through His word. Mm -hmm. That's that's how we know and, and 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 renew and behold who Jesus is more and more is through His word. Right. And so think that, you know, when you're in your storms, totally. don't just think, like, I totally, I can empathize with you who are going through hard stuff and you're going through a trial and someone just tells you, you just need to read your Bible more, you know? Yeah. And that's true. But think on a broader scale. No, you need to be, approach the savior more. You need yeah. to, you need to, to cling to that one who says that through his word, you can be near to him than any other relationship in your life, you know? And that's the one who's in the boat with you and has all authority and all power and yeah, maybe his plan isn't to calm your storm right now, you know, but I think I said on Sunday, it's like, he has promised a lot of things about ways he is going to help you cross the lake in one way or the other. I'm so glad you made that, that distinction. And it's kind of, I don't know, it kind of makes me think of just that, that last point you made just about the, the, the way that their fear kind of flipped a little bit, yeah. right? So at first they were afraid for their lives, afraid of the storm. And 
you know, different Greek word is used, right? To, to basically show like, Hey, I'm, I'm a little scaredy cat, you know? And then after Jesus calms the storm, they, their response is still described as fear, translated fear for us. But in the, in the original language, it's, it's a different type of fear. It's, it's more of a, a reverential awe. It's, it's a, I'm amazed. I'm astonished at who God is and that we will, if we have the right mindset, if we think about the word of God as being relational, it's a way for us to draw near to him in, in prayer, in, uh, in fasting, in worship, in service, whatever the spiritual practice or discipline is, it's all going to be centered and focused on the word of God. And, we have to think about it as relational, right? We have to think yeah. about it as like, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing near to, to this God and just responding to him with worship and awe and devotion and, and love. And, you know, cause you can read the Bible, you can study the Bible, you can, you can have all this kind of intake and interaction with the word of God and completely miss the relational aspect of it. If you just don't have the right mindset or approach to it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's always just that we're always walking that line of like, yeah, it's not about just blind knowledge, you know, at the same time, it's not about showy devotion without obedience. You mm-hmm. know, it's like God wants it all. He wants our, our, our heart to be all for him. But then he also tells us our love, my love language is obedience. You know, mm-hmm. so we're always walking that line. For and sure. he's worthy of it all. He's yeah. wor- I mean, who else would you rather? I mean, this is, this is even, the wind and the waves obey him. Who else would you, would you rather give your all to? What else, what else is there to live for? Steven? There's no one. Thank you. There's nothing. That was an alley-oop. You slammed, <laughs> you slammed it down. I appreciate Cor- it. Correct answer. <laughs> I think also we can enjoy that relationship. Like enjoyment of our relationship with God, I think is so key just like, and that word joy means to be glad and to delight. And we're told to rejoice always. The Lord is near. Yeah. Like, come on. That's so good. And it doesn't mean that you have to be laughing, you know, if something terrible happens, but you can still be glad that the Lord is near and he's taking care of you. And in most cases, actually, you can mm-hmm. laugh about things that are happening, yeah. you know, and truly enjoy it and in, uh, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Like you, like in the situation with uh, the flooding, <laughs> we took towels and we soaked up the water mm-hmm. just like we just had a bunch of us just like taking towels, soaking up the water, jumping on them, taking them outside, wringing them out while we're watching like a lightning storm in the distance. Hmm. And we're just laughing and enjoying like, wow, like the Lord saw that this was coming and look, he allowed us to have a lightning storm while we're wringing out the towels. Like this is so cool. And then going back in and doing a jumping dance to stomp down the towels and soak in more water. Like, (laughs) like you, like I could have easily taken that trial like, oh, man, we're going to have to pay, you know, $50,000 to replace the floor here. 
and I'm just so upset at who was this, you know, who was it? Let's figure this out. <laughs> or you do what you can do to try to fix the problem and have joy while doing it. And I'm not saying I always react that way, but I do think that that is, that was the way that I, um, trust the Lord in that situation. And it's different in every situation that you're in. Um, but I, but I do love thinking about the idea that man, Jesus is in this boat resting. Mm. He's at rest. I can be at rest. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was actually the last point I was going to end with before we close myself was just how we respond in the midst of those situations, which you just totally described of like, cause we all know, or at least we know through scripture that in those trials, there's two things, right? One, it's our sanctification, our growth, our deep in trust. Like we see with the disciples in the boat, but also what you're describing, it's our opportunity to glorify God, to point towards Jesus and man, that, that kind of stuff where you are walking with peace in an otherwise stressful situation speaks so powerfully to God, to those who are looking into that, you know? And this reminds me of, um, first Peter chapter four, which funny, you mentioned like being a steward and that section in first Peter four about you being a steward of God's grace to glorify him with it, all those things right after that, it talks about suffering. And, and trials. And it says, when the fiery trials come, don't be surprised. Like these are, these are going to come in your life. Mm. And when they do come, you can rejoice because God's allowing you to, to glorify Christ through that trial, you know? And then at the end, it wraps up with just that command of, therefore let anyone who's suffering according to God's will just entrust themselves to a faithful creator and keep mm. doing good, which is what you're describing. Like you kept doing the good. <laughs> you dried the things, you did the work, you cared for the students, but you did it in a way that communicated that you entrusted yourself to a faithful creator who knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, and it just makes you think back to that whole soil thing of like, we're meant to be the good soil and the seed is the seed. Like Jesus's message and gift of life is going to do what it's going to do. Our only command in that moment is to just cling to it yeah. and protect it in the hard moments, you know, not be a certain way, just cling to Jesus. And then that on his own, it, it will produce that fruit. And, and the effects of his glorification are taking yeah. all those things in our lives, right? Well, it's so good because, and this is my last thing, is we, like you said, God is not always going to calm the storm for us. And what helps us endure that with joy and delight is understanding that he has great purpose in, in, in the suffering yeah. and that he is superintending that in our life. He's, he, it's not arbitrary. It's not, he didn't like, you know, turn away and, and forget, Oh no, like Sean's suffering. I forgot. You know, he's, he's perfectly in control. He's determining how severe, how long, what lessons he's going to teach us. Right. And I think another great passage that I'd encourage our listeners to, to read this week is Philippians chapter three, five through 11. And in this passage, you know, Paul talks about a lot of different things. Like it, I, all of the, all of the, the, the things that he's attained in his life, he says, I count it all as loss or rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. Um, the, the whole purpose of knowing Christ is, is surpassing value of, of anything else in my life. And he says, for him, for Jesus, I, I would suffer the loss of all things. And my goal in life is to be found in him, to have God's righteousness in my life. Uh, not a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And 
And then it kind of, it kind of ends in this, you know, verses, the second half of verse 10 and 11, which basically is like, I want to know the power of the resurrection of Christ. I want to have fellowship with Jesus in his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his death. Why? In order that I may understand and walk in his life more fully, that I may understand or obtain this, this reality that I am resurrected in Christ. And I think it's so important just to keep that in mind when, when we suffer is that there is a, there's an intimacy to be experienced with Christ. Jesus suffered more than we could ever possibly imagine. I love yeah. reading Isaiah 53 that says he, he was, the, the, the man of sorrows, <laughs> acquainted with grief, acquainted with suffering, he experienced not, not only the, the, the pain and the humiliation and the, the, just the weight of sin on him at the cross, but all throughout his life. I mean, we're reading through Luke. He's, <laughs> he gets rejected by the people in his own hometown. You know, these, these religious elites who are supposed to be the, the ones who are leading the people towards God, they reject him. He's, he's constantly insulted and he's on, he's on the run for his life. He's sleeping on the ground. He's, he's, you know, not afforded the, the, the even the basic hospitality of someone washing his feet when he goes into this house. You know, he's, he, he knows what it's like to suffer and be rejected and to experience pain and loss. And so when we do that, when we go through that, we get closer to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an opportunity for us to like, to be, uh, united with him in his suffering. And, and that's just a completely different mindset that we can develop when we go through something hard. Yeah. I feel that's a mic droppy kind of moment right there. Whew. Wow. I never get that. Usually it's our guest that gets that. I'll take it. I'll well, take Steve, it. Steven's not a guest anymore. Now he's a regular. So well, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, on that note, we just want to say we do just empathize and feel for and, understand all of you guys who are listening who you are going through hard stuff you know and some of these things are really hard situations you you lost your job or your marriage is in 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 trouble or whatever these things are i mean none of this belittles how hard that is in your life and we don't want to make it sound like it does and jesus's great suffering doesn't belittle how you're feeling you know it's actually the opposite It, it 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 should be a comfort to you knowing what your savior has been through and he can understand with you and because of that because he really knows what it's like to suffer in all these ways, like Stephen said earlier, if, if he can be at rest, then you can trust that you can be at rest in your heart as well. Uh, and again, just entrust yourself to him and keep doing good, y'all. Amen. We love you guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you at church on Sunday. Anything else we want to tell him? Anything keep in mind coming up? Nope. Be praying for uh, Stephen and the HSM and Quest as they uh, prepare for the Navajo outreach soon in yep. a few weeks. Other than that, yeah, I'll see you at church. Peace. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.